0: Hello everybody, this is Film Mama, I'm Thais Dresinour and welcome. Today we are doing the second part of the interview with Ezra, Saidam, and Nisenda, who co directed their first feature together called Across the Sea. If you want to hear the first part of the interview, you can find it on the podcast and you can also find the written version on Film Mama's website. In this second part, we're going to be discussing the process of production, the lessons learned, and what is next for both directors. I'm very excited to continue this conversation. So let's get going. Ezra, you also have producer credit on the film. You produced this with three other producers, Gary Kim, Robert Mm -hmm. Lowenstein, and Alvaro Valente, which we've talked about. Um, At what point in the development of the project did you attach the other producers? uh, What was the process for you specifically of directing and
1: producing the film?
2: Well, I would never have done producing if I was the only producer, Uh, I think I would. But um, I generally attach people from the very beginning because like, I want to feel responsible to them. (laughs) And if they want to stick around
1: this,
2: (laughs) like, you know, and if someone's energy is down, the other one's energy is generally high. So they kind of balance out. So they were very much on board on, like Jerry King was probably the first one. Then Robert Levenstein uh, was also a friend of mine from Northwestern and um, he had great human relationships. Uh, He was like the kind person of the set, taking care of everyone, including the dog uh, (laughs) and solving (laughs) problems. And then Alvaro Valente, he was more like our line producer, Big Bot. I mean he's amazing but because he fixed very critical crucial problems like we owe him so much about that we're like no alvaro is a producer now because he fixed a lot i mean uh, i don't know if we want to talk about prosthetic belly but yeah (laughs) it looks very
0: real um yeah you guys did a great job uh if that's a fun anecdote you can talk about it
2: <laughs> i don't know if nissan wants to talk about it
1: but <laughs> i don't want to talk about it <laughs> okay all right it, it's a touchy subject
0: I wanna, we can i, wanna I talk, mean i want to
1: forget mean... about it <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: let's say let's say we had we found like amazing artists who could nail it off artistically but we ran into issues with them because uh because Their artistic ability, their artistic qualification did not, was not the same with their. uh, Interpersonal communication
1: skills. Or
2: punctuality, punctuality. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And Alvaro did great in crisis management. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) And communication with people. Like he was, you know, when he speaks, he sort of sounds like he's joking, but he's actually like, getting them in shape like quote unquote uh, i think he, he he does a great balance of like putting people in order but doing it in a like super mm-hmm. nice and people are even like uh baffled like they can't figure out are we like being yelled at or are we like, yeah. is he making a joke so i, I think yes and he avoids the crisis perfectly i think in that way and uh but also still give people especially i don't know if this is what the industry is like in the us but in turkey uh i think when you're nice to people uh they take it as a sign that they want to take you seriously and they can be lazy and uh, you know if if you're really aggressive on set and then everyone's behaving and like being more responsible unfortunately being nice doesn't work and we usually as a whole team we were on the nicer side, I think. Uh, that I think created some problems on set, and Alvaro was really doing a great job in balancing that
2: and saving money out of it. That's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> perfect businessman. Yes, perfect <laughs> yes. businessman.
0: <laughs> yeah. Alvaro is great, everybody needs to have them on their film. <laughs> So cool. Yes. No, that's one one a great goes. that yeah, that, that's a great skill to have to be able to actually uh balance the the the, the discipline, let's say, with with empathy and and, and be able to to get yeah. people to collaborate with you in that yeah. way.
2: And and so in terms of producing, I mostly focused on packaging and gathering the crew, I think, because I was the only one with Nissan in Turkey who could get people on board in Turkey. Okay. So that was like a lot of networking and saying. So d-
0: during during the shoot you'd say you you took more of just the directing of kind of role yeah. and didn't didn't focus on producing during the no, shoot. No, no. Okay. Okay. I That's mean great. if
2: we are like I
1: ran out of budgets they would come and found me and then we yeah. need to find a solution. <laughs> but other than that occasionally you had to go to some production meetings when That's we wrap. True. True. And I was like, I was so jealous it's like, me my (laughs) co-director that is so So, true you know even though i think yeah you they took off the weight from you uh the heavy lifting but you still had like you were the only turkish uh producer uh, in the project so i think still uh i remember like maybe a couple nights you had to like after we had the wrap meal you had to go into a meeting and then I I had to wait until the meeting's over because I also ah! spoke to her, and I was always so upset that she has to be taken away by <laughs> producers. So she, Esra, was always like, uh, uh, like everyone's trying to share her on set. Yeah. So poor you! I think you did a lot of heavy lifting on on set uh that that's a lot of work uh so now in your next project if you're not producing and you're directing on me i think you would feel more comfortable that would feel luxurious now i think for you
0: yeah um and i'm excited Fingers to crossed. talk to to talk about that next project but first let's talk about the co-directing and uh how how did the co-directing work? Um, can you walk us through what it looked like on set and before with the preparation with the actors?
2: Uh, for me, co-directing with Nissan was very easy because we were like very honest with each other. We, shared, we said, okay, these are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. And they say, I mean, things that we can improve. And I want to learn from you in this department. I want to learn from you in this department so let's say in pre-production we would do everything together but we would trust other person's opinion more if they are more the expert in that area you know what i mean and then however set is a little bit like more um, rigid environment like more hard environment so it's it cannot be like oh all of us uh, are working together on this so I would say, we would say, you know, I do this, I'm focused on this, you focus on this. So people would know who to ask if they have a problem with wardrobe or if they have a problem with acting being, uh, I don't know who needs to go back for the TV series because that was also Mm -hmm. a problem. Uh, So like, so we we shared the duties very clearly on sets so that people would, be easy, uh, mm-hmm. like, they, it would be easy for them to work with us, and the camera was our, like, baby, uh, you know, so, you know, the shots were all our public domain, but, like, other than that, you know, we need to have that, like, hierarchy, not hierarchy, but, like, that order, order of uh, work, workflow, um, so that was very easy for me. The only thing about code directing that is very tough, and I think some is gonna is gonna agree. Is that when you do shot this, you just like think about it, you write it down, but first you need to pitch it to the other person, <laughs> and then so you basically have brain transplant, you know, with each other, and you need to do double shifts because like you do one thing with the rest of the people, and then after hours you need to share ideas all the time. Which is very fun, but like, you know, it needs more hours, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, even on on set, like, like when I get asked this a lot, like, what was it like to co-direct? And, like, the only downside I can think of is that on set, you have to be quick, and you get asked a lot of questions, right? That's the nature of directing. A lot of departments, like, wanting to hear from you on set. And normally, in your mind, you would instantly think, and instantly reply like what you want. But then when you're two people, you have to say like, okay, and turn to each other and discuss and then give your answer. And like this accumulates and it ends up maybe (laughs) (laughs) making you lose some time. (laughs) That's that's really the only uh, drawback for me though. Like, especially in our first feature, I feel like it was great to have someone I trust with me uh, it was such a comfort zone even like uh, I remember this so Ezra speaks Italian and n- no one really on set spoke Italian so we decided on a. I uh, I wanted this like t- to set like a panic keyword where I needed like a moment alone with her so it was Ayutami, Ayutami. <laughs> it was, Ayutami. <laughs> which basically means help yeah. in Italian. I feel like we could have been more creative, like strawberries or something, but <laughs> it, it, it was very straightforward. Yeah. Help me in Italian. So, but I remember on set saying a couple of times, like Ayutami, and then, like, we just like silently walk off to a corner and speak. So that comfort zone is, is really valuable and, and also combining uh forces uh so overall i think it was a really cool experience i'm i'm glad it happened that way like if i can go back in time and change the course uh, of my filmography i would just still wanted to go the same way
0: Ah, that's great that's great to hear like especially after all these years that you still feel feel the same way and i think i have a very clear picture of how you managed um crew and like the relationship with each other. And I'm curious to know how it worked with the actors on uh-huh. scenes, like giving notes. What was the dynamic of that? Were you dividing the scenes? Were you two together? Were you talking to the actors together? I think uh, both Damla who plays mm. The character of Damla uh, and and Ahmed who plays Burak they they all have great performances they they say so much without saying a single word. Uh, and I think that you know you 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 really build their emotional lives uh, through I think it's coming from the script, but there's also I think a great deal in performance and direction from you guys. so i I, I wanted to see. What the process was like, and how did you manage to 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 to, to have a same line of, of of directing for performances when you are two people? How does that work?
2: Yeah, how did we manage it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we did. I think we did quite a good amount of rehearsals. Um, that was based on intimacy. Uh, both with like between Kevin, the Jacob Fischel and Damla and then, uh, you know, Rafat and Damla because it was important for us to build a past between Damla and Rafat And it was not necessarily about making rehearsals like uh, on the pages, like on what we wrote. It was more about the past always. So the first time they met or the first time this is the moment where Damla loses his father, and he comes to comfort her. So mm-hmm. let's do that. So 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 that they have memories. I mean, active. What was it called? Active memory or memory building? One of the memory building is maybe the informal name of it, but it's a technique that is used a lot. I'm very ashamed that I'm not good with terms, but it's one of those things that you build me, build memories uh, in a rehearsal and. So they don't need to be method and lose their mind over it. Uh, I used to love method acting, now I don't believe in it because it really exhausts you anyway. I know that my favorite actors are the ones who, who give the illusion of what's going on versus the ones who really lived through the, that tragedy that the character went through, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But so on set, because I love to work with actors, I would talk to them on set. But however, sometimes, for example, Rufat would get bored of me. And like, he would be like, I want to talk to Nisa. <laughs> I want to talk to Esa. So, you know, it's all about knowing what your responsibility is, but also being flexible when the time calls for it. You know what I mean? That's all about that, actually. And... Uh, Sometimes we had one week, which was all night shoots. I think this is a very important information Mm -hmm. to share. Uh, Everyone, including actors, they really have difficult time and lose patience uh, if one week is committed to night shoots. Uh, Like the stakes go high, the tensions go high, (laughs) you know? So make sure you you don't
1: schedule your night uh night shoot week on a full moon week. (sighs) Yeah, definitely. Never (laughs) never
2: never do that. Never do that. Solid tested advice. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um my I used to work with um two producers who are like quite known right now, Jay Van Hoy and Lars Nusson and actually Nissan was with them too once, and he said that you should never schedule more than three nights in a row mm-hmm. because people become zombies uh, that's that's great advice um yeah. i wanted to talk a little bit
0: about the camera language it feels just so natural and really allows the, the power of the performances to to shine uh you worked with with jp wakayama who uh, you two met at columbia right i wanted to see how did you develop the language of this film and what, what did that collaboration look like?
2: Nissan JP was, shot your thesis, no? Am I wrong?
1: Yeah, yeah, he shot my thesis film at Columbia and many other people's. He shot like 45 <laughs> short films. <laughs> he was a super hardworking uh, DP. Uh, so, and Eshra, I really liked his work as well. So we were really excited to, to bring him on board. Um, like I think uh, JP has this like talent like it's one thing to make frames um, aesthetically beautiful but then there's these kinds of cinematographers who add soul to their shots Mm -hmm. and um, I think JP also has this like as if like especially when he does handheld Um, as if there's like a magnetic special specific point that leads us directly into the eyes and to the soul of the characters and his hands automatically his hands like snap to that magnetic point he has that kind of instinct so i think uh i love his cinematography like i love his other other work as well i feel like that spirit continues so i think his work added a lot to the, the spirit of the film uh, but yeah Esra and I had long discussions uh, partly in during Gezi park protests in Turkey uh, sitting uh, at the Gezi park and uh, and brain brainstorming I'm glad part of our film memories also attaches to that historic moment in in turkey's political landscape um but anyway yeah we it was always about i feel like esra and i are kind of directors who are not worried about showing off visually Mm -hmm. uh we just trust in our scripts and we trust in our actors performances and we're not afraid of uh letting those barely stand out in the film so i feel like we never had this extreme effort of um, showcasing our directorial skills uh, visually and cinematographically, and we just we were confident in in, in what we had in our hands. Um, so yeah, that was our main um, starting point in building the the shots for Across the Sea. I think
2: I agree. Like it's always amazing, great to come with a plan, but then uh be open to what actors get to perform and you you know and sometimes you say okay jp you just follow them (laughs) no that's what it is just follow them um and if your dp has a good instinct you're in the good hands i think right so
1: um we had enough conversation with him yeah so he knew the soul of the film it's just like i feel like it's the same thing like when you work so long with your actors, they know yeah. to the bones their characters, then on set you can say, okay, improvise, and whatever comes out of their mouth will be correct to the character. Yeah. I think it's the same thing if your cinematographer knows the heart of your story. Absolutely. Then you can give them some freedom. Flexible, it's not exactly it doesn't mean you're not directing if you just say follow this person, because you had already done your directing in the prep work Uh when you explain to them what you're after and then giving them the flexibility on set actually lets, that gives them some room to do what they're so good at. Yeah, and
2: I actually, the thing with JP- I love that. JP really, really just actually literally wants to do what you tell him. You know, some direct DPs can be more directorial and they're like, they can do whatever they think. Mm -hmm. But like JP is like really, wanna translate what you envision. So I think in that sense we were a great team. Um and one, yeah. one thing to focus when you're picking a cinematographer with JP had is that when we would watch like test screenings with our actors and everything, you, you can tell his passion lies on the performances. Mm and how desperately he wants to show it versus I'm going to like this like that. And then we're going to have this in the depth, you know, as a depth of feel. So his passion lies with the performances, with the story. So if your DP, who happens to be very talented, keeps focusing on the performance, keeps talking about the performances and the actors' faces, you are definitely in the good hands, it means. um, I just want to say that. Yeah, that's
0: a great piece of advice. Um, just you know, make, making sure yeah. of communicating the soul of the film and and choosing well your 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 people so that you are able to trust them and set and and let them do their thing. And that's that's why you bring them into the project, right? You want their thoughts, mm-hmm. you want their input. Like you, yeah. you you're trusting them as as also a,
2: a creative part of this process, right? Yeah, um, and also we have this scene, Thais, uh, that was not on the script, but we had this production meeting and we are like, in the day of the shoot, in the day that that scene was was decided to be shut up, we decided that that scene was supposed to like, um shut on. Uh, the scene after the soccer game, uh, Damla waits for him by his car. car? Uh, and then, so we were not afraid to go off script. Off script, and and we told actors. So we're gonna shoot this scene, and they're like, "What do you mean? <laughs> what are what are the lines? Doesn't matter. You wanna achieve that, and he wants to achieve that in the scene. And it was whew, roller coaster. But I, personally, I really liked that scene.
1: By the way, I had a similar experience in my last film. Really? yeah. Like, uh, so it was like four in the morning, almost like sun, sunrise. And it was like the last two hours on set. And we had just this one shot. I had all the five characters from the slums. They were gonna cross a bridge uh, with a car and we had this drone shot of the car driving by. So it was just this one shot. And we had a technical problem with the car. But then all the characters were already in their makeup and ready. And we had these two hours. So I didn't want to call it a wrap and go home. Instead, I said, "Okay, uh, what we're missing is a celebrating scene. It was a victorious, like the highest moment in the script. So all the characters knew their characters really well. So I just told them the mood. It's just celebrating hopes of making an album. And just you were hanging out all night. You are a little drunk and you're just walking home, crossing the bridge and everyone's super happy, high hopes, et cetera. This is all the info I gave and they just like uh, improv and JP just shut it. Now, like it's one of my favorite scenes, actually, in the movie. And I'm so glad that damn car was broken, <laughs> but I also give myself a little credit because I wasn't hung up about the car being broken. I was like, okay, like I have this actors, I have this time. What do I need in the script? Like what was the scene standing in place for? And I think sometimes actually doing that is a bit refreshing on set. So I made a note to myself for upcoming projects, if the project allows, if it's not surrounded by green screen, you know, um, then I think it's great to actually just give actors the the main objectives. And uh, I heard, like, uh, many people actually shoot films that way without a script. Maybe that's a little wild for me. And if you're not a big name, like, I know Gus Barnoa did Vortex like that. Um, maybe it's hard to finance that way, mm-hmm. but at least like planning a couple improv scenes uh, could be really fun and and you still work for it, uh, prep for it, but kind of let some magic to happen on sets basically.
0: Yeah, for for the actors that that must have been so great, just so fun to like give them that trust yeah. and let them let them just do what comes. Naturally, for
1: them. Yeah, same in Across the Sea. I think that scene is one of the uh, strongest scenes we have. Yes,
2: I do you I think agree. so. I
1: swear, I don't know, but I do be. think
2: so. I do think so because yeah, right, because it was supposed to happen, and therefore it happened. You know, the the story required that scene, so it, it
1: was beautiful. I love, I love those magical moments. Uh, basically the writing sometimes continues when you're on the set as well yes. oh, and that's e- a part of it for me
0: even when you're editing right <laughs> you're kind of rewriting yeah. as as you
2: edit
1: for sure yes <laughs> yeah when I when I put
2: slow motion on certain I mean I'm not saying I we did this in across the sea but like I love to put slow motion on an actor's reaction I just love it to extend the moment, elaborate the moment that we were never able to shoot. To shoot, (laughs) it's a good trick. (laughs) I love that, yeah.
0: (laughs) We talked a little bit uh, about um, a couple of obstacles you found during production. I wanted to ask you specifically, if as female directors, you found some obstacles and how did you overcome them?
2: Yeah, so, I don't know if it was female, but it might be also a young director thing. But Nissan touched mm-hmm. on this a little bit before, uh, that um, it's at least in Turkey, and I'm pretty sure in many countries around the world, like the equality on sets is not sometimes appreciated. So, people whether want to be higher than you, or they're okay lower than you if you command the sets, you know? So they don't understand if you're sometimes, maybe they changed, I don't know. Nissan is more updated about Turkish sets. She should talk more about that, but they they know how to get orders or how to look down on you. But you know what I mean? But like, we (laughs) cannot be just friends because if we are friends, we might not be hurt as much as we wanted. So I can never tell if it was woman thing or if it's a young director thing, but I think this was one of the issues. And if, you know, personally, if I insisted on something that made no sense for some of the crew members, I had to sometimes cry <laughs> to, to, you know, <laughs> to like, this is the right choice. Okay, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't recommend crying, mm-hmm. even though I understand crying. Uh it's not a technique that you have to adopt but if you can if you're someone who, who <laughs> cry, if you're someone who can cry, just you know get the best out of it, I guess.
1: Um, why not? Why not? I just heard after we finished like maybe a year after we finished production, I heard someone confess that so when they were before the production, when people were teaming up, uh, and they hear it's like two female directors some people were like oh it's going to be cat fight Ooh. like let's watch some cat fight they were making jokes like this uh which i think like i'm laughing but it's like extremely annoying and offensive of course because if it were to be like two men no jokes were going to be made yeah. and and they would have been like respected probably mm-hmm. Uh, so I think, uh, we, we, some kind of, uh, um, prejudice being like two, two female directors and being young, definitely didn't help too, of course. But I think at the end of the day, like, um, we were just so focused on making good stuff and we were passionate and our, I think our passion did shine through and, it didn't, like, uh, I think we were so positive and open-hearted. Uh, I feel like we weren't receptive of the prejudices. So I have this theory that, like, if you uh, aren't, op- if you're not looking for the prejudices on a basic level, of course, I feel like they don't get to you if you don't perceive them. <laughs> I have this basic, really basic approach, but um Sometimes being a little naive really helps because if someone says something mean to you, like trying to hurt you, uh, then if you don't get it, you're not hurt by it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Because we have this position of being the director, so they can only like do this in less obvious ways. Um, there were, No one questioned our um, like position on set or anything. We didn't have big problems. It was more like small gossip, I think, on set. People making this kind of catfight jokes, which we actually never did. Yeah, we
2: never experienced. catfight on set,
1: obviously. Yeah, Yeah. but we were lucky, I think, overall.
2: Like if somebody challenged in the middle of everyone saying you guys don't know what you're doing, I mean, I don't think that they Mm -hmm. have ever said that because we were amazing. But I mean, I don't know what my reaction would be. Uh, I would just tell them to drink water, go to the corner and drink water and mm-hmm. we'll go and find them. But, um, you know, it, it's a tricky game. I guess the biggest lesson you can teach someone sometimes is that ignoring that they exist if they do something wrong, you know, that's also one way to go. And um, that's the set is a a little bit like a life and death situation. So uh, am I gonna focus on uh, improving people's moral values or <laughs> make the film happen? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the stuff can happen before production or after production on the cultural social level. Like when you look back and if you feel like you have some feedback to share, you should share it. For example, Uh, There's a great friend of mine called Shuchi Talati. She's Indian-American. She's doing her first feature in India this year. And before doing that, uh, her her feature project was at Bellinale, and she got this fund to initiate a training for Indian women to become gaffers and grips Mm. uh, because she's going to do and it's coming from a very um, reasonable place because she wants to do intimate film about a teenager girl in it, living in India. And she wants to have woman gaffers. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. I totally understand that need. So she, she, she got the fund and she's doing this like, uh, training program so that when she's shooting the film, she can have woman um, gaffers. Like for us, we just have to be able to make our films happen, you know? Changing the system can be very tough, but maybe we can do modifications around our circle to continue whatever we want to continue to do.
1: I just want to add, because I don't want to be misunderstood about the whole, whole ignoring point. Like, of course, if some kind of injustice or some wrongdoing is happening on set, like we shouldn't ignore that for sure. But what I mean is uh, like if someone, like sometimes people do small things just to hurt you, like little nuances, those kind of things. Usually like, I feel like most women are uh, facing that, uh, even if it's not like big cases, it still affects your energy. And what I mean by ignoring is just not picking up those small nuances because then it doesn't let those people succeed because they do those things to hurt you. And if you're not hurt by that, then they can't stop you they can't take your energy away from what Mm. you're trying to create and they're not sabotaging you basically deep down Mm. i think that's what they're trying to do so Mm -hmm. if you can just like maintain the focus on what you're trying to do uh, and not pick up on those little uh you know nasty uh, energies uh, on yeah. that level at least i think it's, yeah it's a good theory for me to just stay away from totally. so bad
2: so you mean like michelle obama what if they go low we go high think. <laughs> <laughs> and that line yeah. works sometimes <laughs> nice yeah <laughs> and especially if they are someone who's able to get that that you decided to go high knowing they actually respect you a lot um mm-hmm. We had someone who said things that she was not supposed to say on set. And she found out that we heard, but we didn't do anything about it. And I, I got a job from her, a very good job. Uh, so sometimes it's, sometimes it's
0: helpful. So um, for the whole experience of making this film, if each of you had Uh, one advice that you could give yourself before starting that you think would make the film better or the experience easier, or in any way improve uh, the experience of making this film, what would that be? Just one thing.
1: I know exactly. I can. Um, You're not bad in directing actors. this is what I would say to myself because, uh, you know, when Ezra and I were uh, talking about our strengths and we were dividing the the work, I was just, I had this thought about myself that for some reason I had this fear and fear of not being good enough at directing the actors. So I, I was just taking more responsibility on, uh, the camera work and Ezra was doing the majority of uh, the work with the performances. Um, I think I would just encourage myself more because after uh, Across the Sea, um, uh, when I did my second feature, I overcome that. And actually, I did work in the Netflix series, I directed a couple episodes, and now I hear people referring to me as like, your strength is directing actors in the industry. And now like that kind of became my stronger side. Uh, You know, I'm not crazy about camera tricks, but like really into getting good performances. So that's like a interesting journey. So I would just go back and say to myself, don't be so afraid of uh, directing the actors, you can do it that would be my that's yeah. great and
2: interesting and i would say your way of directing is not the wrong way it's just a different way that they still yet to experience and see with their own eyes to be working that's what i would say all right That's that's great. Just
0: like give give yourself more confidence for 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 the things that you that you that you want to do and that you don't compare
2: don't compare yourself with others because the whatever instincts emotions lead us to this route, uh, it can have their own way of manifestation. It doesn't have to fit every other director's method. Great, um,
0: you have both made other films as directors, as producers. Ezra, I know you've delved into, into podcast directing. Uh, yeah. can, you, can you tell us a little bit about that world and how did you tailor
2: your directing towards that platform? Podcast directing? Yeah. I, it's a beautiful, beautiful opportunity. I recommend everyone to do it because it gives you permission and like opportunity to work with uh, sometimes very successful actors uh, in a short time, but you 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 get to direct the actors more frequently. Like like you don't need to raise at least one million dollar to work with a great actor. Um, and I was very lucky that I ran into this like job uh, posting uh, by someone who graduated from Colombia mm-hmm. and she was a very successful Hollywood executive. And then she started her own. Um, company with uh, her partner Thomas. So her name is Kendall um, and she so she started this podcast series uh, company uh, aiming for like woman stories uh, directed by women. And so I I meet so many like uh, so many groups of actors thanks to that and it's it's lovely to share an afternoon with them and uh it requires a lot of technicality like i need to operate like mute play make sure that the volumes are right make sure that the mic is like aiming this you know there's so many technicality sometimes i'm like a mother like all right make sure uh you drink your water now and then it's also like folly Job. So besides narration, they also do weird sounds, and we kind of imitate art in all areas, like from super intimate scenes to super I don't know exotic tropical scenes. So it's a lot of fun. I I recommend to everyone, and you don't need to have like fifty people around you to direct the actors. Beautiful,
0: yeah. Uh, I'm grateful. That's great. Yeah, that sounds fascinating for sure. And uh, Nissan, you do, you did your second feature as we've talked about when when I'm done dying, right? When I'm done dying, uh, this premiered a couple years ago at uh, the beginning of the pandemic, I think. Um, how how was it to to shoot a second feature now as a solo director? What was different about the experience? Um, how How did you come into the second feature as a director uh, from the lessons learned from your first experience that we've discussed?
1: Well, um, the second feature was much harder to finance and to to produce. So it took, uh, from the first draft, it took about three years to uh, get the financing together and the, the political... Uh, backdrop changed in Turkey. So in our first feature, we had the Ministry of Culture funds, which made things much easier. But uh, in this second film, I didn't have the Ministry funds. We had the Euromaj and Hamburg Film Fund and uh, Switzerland funds, uh, but still like it wasn't enough. And we had to find seven other investors and keeping all these investors excited and attached in the period of couple of years and, and there were some economic crisis going on, like euro was, you know, peaking to, to numbers, which are actually lower than what it is today. But back then it was like a high peak um, and we lost a couple investors. Um, So like the economic uh, climate wasn't ideal for private financing because these movies are films that investors know they're not going to make money from these. So if people put in money, they know it's only for prestige or they just want to Instagram post on a red carpet, basically. Uh well, luckily we had some like visionary people too who believed in the project and who had like true passion. So it was a combination of kinds of investors. Um, but that was like a lot of effort and it takes away from your concentration as a director because we didn't have all the financing in place until a couple of weeks before production. Uh, and while doing the prep still being on the phone with investors and not being able to sleep comfortably at night with the fear of financing, it takes away from your creativity. So that was the biggest difference with the first feature. Only after making the second one, I realized how lucky we were in our first film. And we were were sort of faked by the experience because we thought it was gonna be easy like this in the next ones. And uh, the, the second one in that way, that was the biggest difference. Like process-wise, directing two people versus solo is, is really the same. It's the same process. You have to do the same things. The only thing is you're alone. Uh, so it's a bit more of a lonely place uh, than, you know, having someone hand in hand. That's really a, a comfort zone when, when you have someone you like. So yeah, it was uh it was more tough in you all in all aspects, I think, if if I were comparing. All right. Um yeah, but it went well in the end. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Thank god. Yeah, totally. and hopefully she's yeah.
2: doing well. She's doing very well.
0: Yeah. She's she's doing great. <laughs> when I when I'm done, so. um uh, when I'm Done Dying is also available in all different platforms for you guys to check out. Uh, it's on YouTube, on Prime, and a couple yeah, others. Yeah, it's on,
1: it's on Amazon and iTunes and Fandango and a couple other platforms in the United States. If yes. anyone's interested in rap, drugs, and toxic love in the slums yeah. of Istanbul. All
0: right. Um... Well, finally, I just want to ask you both: What are you working on right now, and what's next for each of you? Ezra.
2: Um, so, what's next for me? Honestly, I have maybe five, six projects floating in my or in my brain, also on on my in my Dropbox. Uh, but the most serious one is the Mesopotamian. It's a romantic noir set in the EMS world of New York. And it's told through the eyes of a Middle Eastern girl who went through war on a different level. And um, it did get a lot of attention. It did go to great programs like Gotham Week, you know, Film Independent, Toronto Film Festival Financing Forum. And uh, it's funny, we get love, but we cannot get the fully financed. Uh, I feel like this stray cat uh, at the door of a palace, like they let me be at the door they give me milk sometimes sometimes they give me food but they don't let me in they don't adopt me fully sometimes you go through these emotions <laughs> um, so however i know and it it was a it was co-written with ramata Sai, who did great films like that one to berlin locarno uh, that one those festivals and her first feature, feature film will be with the producer of Titan that won last year at Cannes. So like I, I know I'm always like very lucky to be surrounded with amazing people. And however, the project takes more time than I anticipate. So this summer, I'm going to the east of Turkey to shoot an ultra low budget film. And I'm gonna co-direct with uh, another friend of mine from New York, his name is Malik. Uh, he this, and he's um, he has so much experience in guerrilla filmmaking. So, I want to use his like low budget, I can do it all spirit. Uh, and we're gonna be maybe hopefully a good team and have we're gonna have amazing co directing memories uh, like we I had with Nissan, I hope. Uh, this summer, and it's about this black American backpacker woman who who goes on a road trip in is Turkey uh, on his way to Armenia where she's going to meet her best friend. And she spends extra days in a guest house by the border between Armenia and Turkey because she meets a guy uh, who manages the hotel and they go through some small Petit Love Story. So hopefully I'm gonna shoot that and I'm gonna get one feature film out of my system <laughs> so that I can reset and focus my other projects. Uh, I developed a TV series called Double's Dilemma based on a book that I was trying to get optioned. Like I wanted to option for 10 years. Very excited to make it happen. Again, we are talking to great streamers However, I am the stray cat. Sometimes it takes time. <laughs> but I mean, I'm I'm in a peace with this because I think Robert Redford said that there are no people who fail; there are just people who give up. So I'm gonna stand at that palace door, and we'll see what happens. And I hopefully I wanna collaborate with Nissan again one day. <laughs> yeah, that's it.
0: I mean, absolutely. I think it's very important for people to hear this that, you know, th- th- it takes time to for things to happen and and yeah. you just keep at it, keep at it and don't give up. And and then, as you said, like maybe go and shoot something else and and just, yeah. you know, have different projects in different stages and 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 everything will work out at the time that that it needs to work out. Some things come out fast and things come out slow, uh, but. I am very excited to see both and all of your projects. Uh, so, I'm really, I've been waiting for the Mesopotamian since I heard about the story many years ago. So, I, I, I'll be the first one there at the movie will so. um, I'll be there with you. Yes, great. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm excited about this night. All right. What, awesome. about, what
1: about you, Nissan? Yeah, a lot of projects <laughs> uh, developing. Um, <laughs> same same story uh this summer i'm shooting uh two episodes for this uh miramax show uh they're doing it for paramount plus uh it's called the turkish detective uh so it's like um it's it's uh, gonna be in english uh for foreign audiences but it's filmed in turkey um and it's like a, a cop story uh, but not in a Nordic uh, cold way, more like a warm uh, human way. And this actor who I really wanted to collaborate with for a really long time, Hajduk Bilginar, he's starring. So that's uh, exciting for me. Um, And then right after that, uh, I'll shoot a few more episodes for the second season of uh, Midnight at the Para Palace. Uh, That will be again, available on Netflix worldwide. So this year is a bit uh, uh, piled up with some uh, commercial work. But uh, until I start to get busy in the summer, I'm developing this uh, story with uh, my producer, uh, Müge Özan, whom I did uh, When I'm Done Dying With. She was also producing that. Uh, we got the rights to this book that I'm like so excited about. I, I can't wait for that to happen, but I, I guess it will be a couple of years because it's like an epic project. That it's, I can't translate it like uh, Amazons of Istanbul. It's the unwritten story in history about the, the only female sultan of the Ottoman Empire. Wow. And she's like uh, slashing uh, Ottoman soldiers like a Tarantino-esque way, uh, but it's like set in the Ottoman so it's like a, a mixture of East and West kind of project, but really like a feminist project. I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's like really exciting to the point of like Ottoman sex toys, you know? Like you, so you see the Ottoman empire from a perspective that's like really fresh and really feminist, kind of like an alternative reality. So we're trying to do that like a six uh, episode mini series but for me like I see these like uh, six episode series like a like a big big scale feature film basically um, you know sort of like a, I know this much is true I thought was a fantastic show it it really felt like a one big feature film where I had the chance to just uh, dive into the sub characters lives a little better compared to a feature so uh, yeah we don't see that project as just like a commercial series project but more like an art house work that is in the form of six episode series because in today's Turkish climate especially it's really tough to finance this as an art house film but there's so much uh, resource everyone wants to make series like there's a lot of resource if you want to call it a series and release it on a platform and the story is so big that it makes Wait. that possible so that's the kind of route that, Wait, we take that
2: sounds very commercial and nice to me it's a great story
1: yeah it sounds it, it sounds has a commercial appeal too but we want to we want to do it we want to do it really character driven and not like plot heavy so yeah, of much course. so we'll see what the platforms will think they so they exciting. tend in, in turkey they tend to want a lot of plots uh they see their audience as like a low patience audience okay. and we don't want to spoil but we'll see We're just writing it at the moment yeah. and another feature film but that's really raw at the moment uh hopefully uh, another feature film happens as well uh, all right
0: um <laughs> well I am also very excited to 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 watch that show. Uh, and Thank you. Yes, I'm. You know, it's 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 great to see history through a feminine perspective. Like I think we need we need more of that. We have more and more female voices telling stories now, but also it's interesting to look at the past and and, and see how it looks through. Through the female perspective, so I'm excited about that. I can't wait to see it. Um, I wish you the best of luck with it. And both of you, Esra and Isan, thank you so much for for chatting with me today, for sharing your experience. Uh, about across the sea again. Across the sea is available on Amazon Prime. Uh, so make sure to check it out. And um, we'll keep you posted about the next steps of Ezra and Nisan and uh, thank you. I wish you the best of luck thank, thank
2: you thank you and and if you're yeah, ever thanks in for Turkey,
1: having us
2: yeah and also if uh, there are people listening from Turkey it's also available on movie Turkey right something like that uh, but
1: um, yeah and, and and blue tv blue tv as well exactly. in Turkey.
2: but uh, yes. thank you so much Thais we I really enjoyed it it was lovely
1: me too thank you thank Thank you you. for having us
0: thank you so much for listening if you liked what you heard don't forget to subscribe and um, check the description of the podcast where you can find the address for the website of the blog and there you will find all the links and information that we discussed on this interview see you next time